Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Our number one of the get right with Reggie KG on your home of the American League champion, Texas Rangers 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. What up, though? Larry D. Flores on the down for here. Really appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app, the truckwreck.com text line. 877 if you want to get in on the conversation with you for the next four hours here as we got a lot to get to as the Mavericks open up the 2023-24 NBA season on the road against Victor Wimbanyama and the San Antonio Spurs. Got some good NBA action already happening on ESPN between the Knicks and the Celtics. Of course, the Rangers getting ready for game one of the World Series on Friday night, which you can hear right here on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up here in 19 minutes, speaking of the World Series, Matt Hicks going to be joining us live via the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline at 820. Jess Navarez covering the Dallas Cowboys for the Pro Football Network. She'll join us as well as we start to turn our attention to Cowboys Rams at high noon at AT&T Stadium on Sunday and at 920. Jay Cornegy, the Vice President of Race and Sportsbook Operations at the Westgate Sportsbook in Las Vegas, going to be joining us, uh, giving us some odds and some things to look forward to as we get ready for the World Series. And also, I mean, we're just hitting that sports solstice time of year where everything That's seems right. to be going at the same time. So let's get that let's get that money right for you. Uh, but let's start to get you ready for the Cowboys and the Rams. The Cowboys, having come off their bye week at 4-2, welcome in a Los Angeles Rams team coming off of a Curious loss at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers this past weekend in SoFi Stadium. Uh, congratulations to Sean McVay, his uh, first child born. Got a first, uh, his firstborn son today. There you go, Jordan yeah. John McVay. So JJ didn't he used to have a player? Didn't John Jordan used to play for the Rams, or does he currently play for the Rams? John Jordan the third, I want to say, or is that John Johnson? John yeah, Johnson. that's John Johnson. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. I try, I try to see. I was if like, I can who do is who is Jordan John on the Rams? I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Well, he's now. Um, you know, Congratulations on being a father. That's that's really cool. That's Happy fantastic. for him. You know, he's looks like he's gonna be all right. He's gonna be all right as a dad. You sure? I think so. He seems fairly maniacal about what, his. What, what makes what makes you know that someone's gonna be a good dad? Like, what are the characteristics uh, that you're looking for? Actually, nothing. Number one, because they don't send a manual home with them things. Larry would know. He doesn't. You know, they don't send you a manual home with these kids. They just say, "Here, uh, put them in the car seat, and good luck with that." And I'll tell you a quick story. So when mm-hmm. my daughter was born, yes, uh, you know she's six now. But we got her in the car. My wife and I, we looked at each other, 
I was like, okay, now what do we do with this? Uh, and I decided, now my house at the time was about 40 minutes away from the hospital. Yes. So my dumb self decided, mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with this thing, so I'm going to take all side streets back home because I don't know how to make sure that my child and myself and my wife, we don't get hurt. Nobody's getting hurt on this ride home. We're going to take all the side streets. Oh, no, that seems fine. That seems fine. Yeah. Just- it took us an hour and a half to get home because I decided not to get on the highway. Because I was deathly afraid of taking my child on the highway for the first time. Yeah, no, you just first first time parent being careful. I understand that. No, that was really kind of dumb, actually. Don't. Why, why no. was it dumb? Because it took me an hour and a half to get home because I was afraid that I couldn't drive on the highway with my newly born child in the back. Look, man, an hour and a half is is a very is just a small price to pay to make sure that the precious cargo is cargo is safe. Yeah, All no, right. no, no. Until okay. you feel comfortable, that's fine. I know people that still don't drive on the highways at their big age. See, that's but, fine. But here's the part, though. My wife had just had a baby. Oh, she was sick of it. She was ready to she get home. She's All like, right. what the hell are you doing? Get on the highway. No, babe, I'm not getting on the highway. I'm not getting on the highway. Well, you made it. It worked out. It worked out. Hopefully it works out for the Cowboys on Sunday when they take on the Los Angeles Rams. Let's go inside the numbers a little bit as the Cowboys host Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. Rare high, uh, noon game on Sunday. Uh, pre-game begins at 9 a.m. You wanted to say high noon again, didn't you? Uh, I almost did. Mm-hmm, That's a good mm-hmm. TV show. Too bad it got canceled. Was. I know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shout out to Pablo Torian, Bomani Jones. Uh, but let's go inside the numbers a little bit. What are we going to learn about this Rams team as they take on Dallas on Sunday? Yeah, one thing I try and do is I, you know, just kind of look at various numbers to see if there's anything. Well, obviously, just to inform myself, give myself a little bit more of a base other than just trying to watch as many games as possible, um, especially when it comes to the Cowboys' next opponent, and just trying to get a better feel of what they are bringing to the table. So, um, Obviously, y'all know I'm a sucker for some of these uh, advanced analytics. And then also, there's just some more numbers that are at play. So I just kind of wanted to look through some of the stuff and see what we can start to glean. Mm-hmm. Even before we get into like going in and digging into, you know, video and film and stuff of what, what they do. Um, where, where, do you, where would you like to start? DVOA, EPA, which one of those statistics hits you a little bit square. Uh, let's start with Office of DVOA because they've got a nice little receiver these days, uh, Puka Nakua, uh, for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Cooper Cuff is old things, old, old news for you? Old news. Okay. Get him good. out of here. I mean, he's still really good. Don't get me wrong. He's still really good. All right. So offensively, this team um, in DVOA is they are at 14.1% offensive DVOA. And DVOA uh, means is defensive value over a uh, – Average or defense adjusted. But either way, it's just an idea of trying to put a metric on what they're capable of. That's right. Um, depending on or irregardless of their opponent, they they rank seventh in offensive DVOA. Okay, that's pretty the Los good. Los Angeles Rams. Okay, okay, that's pretty good, right? Um, defensive DVOA. This is where it gets a little interesting because this is not a particularly good defensive Los Angeles Rams team. They rank 20th defensive DVOA. Oh, okay, okay. So the basic the basic uh, sketch outline that we're seeing right now. Good offense, not so good defense. Meh defense. Okay. Okay, so I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Okay, if this Cowboys offense, I mean, you saw some of the plays from Dak Prescott being able to make things happen with his legs a little bit, extend plays on third down. Uh, okay, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Uh, so let's go to, I guess, some more when it comes to 
the Rams from a, a defensive perspective. Because I want to know from the Cowboys this weekend, is this offense ready to take the next step in the Texas Coast offense? And what does that look like against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday? Okay, so let's go a little bit more into the defense because I, I now want to give you EPA. Expected points added kind of gives you that general value per play, in fact. So it's going to be that. And then remember when I talk about success rate, success rate is on any given play, there's a certain amount of yards that you want to get for it to be a success. And that changes depending on the situation. On first and 10, maybe that's four or five yards to be a success. On second and four, that yardage changes. And obviously, a two-yard run in different circumstances means different things. It tries to accomplish that. So that's success rate. But let's start with EPA. Defensively. And obviously, you want this to be as low as possible. The defensive EPA overall for the Los Angeles Rams is negative .012, and obviously that's not going to mean a lot to you, but what that will, what I will tell you is that ranks them 20th in the league. Okay. So near that bottom third of the league when it comes to EPA. Now, I think what's nice is that they'll break it down into drop-back EPA and rush EPR, which basically passing and um, rushing, right? To let you know which one, what they're strong at, what they're not strong at. When it comes to drop-back EPA, when it comes to dealing with passing attacks, they rank 17th in the league. When it okay. comes to when it comes to rushing, they rank 21st. Okay, so you can throw the ball a little bit against this defense. You can run the ball a little bit against this defense. Now, here's a number to kind of go with some of that from the Cowboys' perspective when we're talking about not only defensive DVOA but also defensive EPA as well. Dak Prescott 70. 72.2% when opponents are bringing five or more pass rushers, Dak Prescott has completed 39 of 54 passes this season at a 72.2 completion rate against the Blitz. That is third in the NFL. And that's something that he has been really good at throughout the course of his career. He is lethal when you bring extra pressure. That may be something that Sean McVay and his defense looks to stay away from uh, this upcoming weekend against Dak Prescott there. That may make some things a little bit more um, a little bit more difficult for him to try to make things happen in the middle of the field, which is something that hasn't necessarily happened so far yet this season. Now, when it comes to offense, coming back to EPA, the Rams rank 12th when it comes to passing EPA. They rank 5th when it comes to rushing EPA. So, like, in theory, this is a good rushing team that will then challenge this team's, this Cowboys rushing defense. Now, one of the things that's tough for the Rams is the running back that they basically made their starting running back, Kyron Williams, has gone on to the IR. And so he he's not available for this game, which means that they're dealing with more of their depth running backs, which I imagine, hey, maybe that does change the way that this goes for them. And if that's going to be probably the chief offensive strength that they have, obviously, and still understanding that Sean McVay can scheme it up and offensively they sure. can still get yards, um, that's going to be an interesting thing to see how they manage um, and maybe that is less of a concern for the Cowboys. Obviously, you still want to make sure you stop the run. That's going to be a chief concern for the Cowboys every week out, be, considering where they were last season and the things that you want to, you know, you want to try and change and get better at. But that sh- at least gave me a little bit of uh, a little bit of relief as I was looking at some of these numbers and I saw that big, you know, that high mm-hmm. uh, EPA number for them offensively when it came to running. And then I was like, oh, okay, but Kyron Williams isn't there. I think for me, this is going to be yet another test this weekend for this Cowboys secondary. You started to outline in terms of some of the running game for the Los Angeles Rams. I start to look at what they have from a pass-catching perspective 
We mentioned Cooper Cup, Puka Nakul, who's had a really good year so far. Tyler Higby, good tight end for them as well. This secondary is going to get tested quite a bit. So, Deron Bland, Stephon Gilmore, this safety group, which has had some questions so far this year. How are they going to be handling some of the things that McVay will like to do to stress that defense with Matthew Stafford throwing the football? That's, for me, what I'm going to be looking forward to most is the challenge that the secondary is going to be facing against a really good passing core or uh, wide receiver core for the Los Angeles Rams coming into this game. And timeliness is also going to matter, right? Um, We've seen this go in many different ways when it comes up for the Cowboys defense, um, sometimes with penalties. But one thing to also know, the Rams end up coming up big in big conversion situations. When it comes to fourth down conversions, they are tied for second in uh, fourth down conversion rate, converting on three quarters of their opportunities. And on third down, which obviously ends up being more cons- more consistent or more frequent, they rank seventh in the league in third down conversion rates, which is actually below what your, what your Cowboys are. Your Cowboys rank fourth in the league of third down conversion rate. Mm-hmm. But even then, the Rams are still not too not wildly far behind you in converting on third down. So making sure to give yourself uh, third and long, you know, stopping on first and second down mm-hmm. and getting, putting them in third and long situations, I imagine, would be helpful for you. And I see you on the TroyRed.com text line, 877-811053. Don't sleep on 2-2 Atwell as well. And I, I, I don't. I don't because he's a good wide receiver as well. They've got a lot of guys that can make a lot of plays in that receiver core. 2-2 Atwell is another one of those guys that will definitely be need to be paid attention to on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, man, this this obviously this Rams team puts up a whole bunch of yards. Uh, they rank seventh, and that falls in line with all the other offensive metrics. So largely, you're just we're looking at a team that defensively is not going does not seem to be a, a an issue for you. Mm-hmm. Um, offensively, we know what they're capable of when we look at the likes of Cooper Cup, when we look at the likes of Puka Nakua that we've seen over the first six seven weeks of the season. Um, Especially attacking the middle of the field, yeah, that's the rough sketch up that I get from looking at the you know these basic numbers. Um, that just trying to get ahead of this week, this week's matchup uh, on noon on Sunday with for your Cowboys against the Rams. Some of these other numbers that are interesting coming into this game as well. The Cowboys this season tied for first in the NFL with ten play drives, have nineteen ten play drive at least ten plays for a drive, nineteen of those. Right. So being able to sustain drives to keep that Rams offense. Off the field, they're fourth in the NFL and third down conversion rate, and they'll be forty-eight percent. So again, speaking to the long drives, but also converting on third down, another way to keep that Rams offense off the field. And of course, the defense, fourth in the National Football League in scoring defense at sixteen point seven points per game allowed, and they are plus six in turnover differential, which is tied for second in the NFL. And what because Matthew Stafford tend to do at times turn the football over and I wonder if this helped I mean pro football focus is a sometimes uh you know attacked sometimes uh disliked um place for metrics but looking at their grades for these teams the Rams uh overall are graded graded out uh fairly high but they're one of the places on offense where they do not grade very well and in fact they grade very poorly is pass blocking uh, does that sound does that sound like something that matches up with your Dallas Cowboys? I like it. The pass rush has a chance to get after Matthew Stafford this week. That's something I'm hoping to be able to see from the Cowboys, particularly because it needs this is in in a way, um, no pun intended, a get right circumstance because it does feel like the Cowboys have kind of gotten a little bit less successful uh, rushing the pass over the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks, uh, at least compared to the start of the season when it seemed like the pass rush was going to eat everybody alive all year. So I'd lo- I'd love if we could see the likes of. 
Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, uh, Sam Williams, so on and so forth, Osa Digizua, uh, get upfield and get in, uh, get in Matt Stafford's kitchen and make it really difficult on him in this game. Uh, the Cowboys are healthy coming into this game, ready to go, coming off of the bye week, so that's really good. Wanya Thomas was the only one on the practice report, but he was a full participant today in practice. So the Cowboys are healthy. They've got a good idea, I think, on how they want to attack Los Angeles in terms of defensively, how they want to go after it. The question I do have, though, is in the interior a little bit because you know who still runs the middle for the Los Angeles Rams at this point, and it's Aaron Donald. And one thing that I've been concerned with over the last couple weeks is your interior, hello, Tyler Biotish, and dealing with some of that strength in the middle. Yeah. Aaron Donald could be a big factor on Sunday uh, with his ability, of course, to not only stop the run but get after the passer as well. Tyler Biotis is going to be on notice on Sunday. Yeah, so the, this was a primer, I think, a, a numbers primer into Cowboys-Rams as we start to get a look at who the opponent is that your Cowboys are going to face on Sunday. I love the sex on the 817. I'm so into baseball right now that I honestly didn't even know who the Cowboys' <laughs> opponent, opponent was until this segment. That's Honestly, that's part of the reason why I was like, let me go get in these numbers and get myself uh, acclimated mm-hmm. so I could be ready because we've all been on the ride of the Rangers. That's right. Especially when it came to the ALCS. That felt like that really engrossed, at least me personally. I don't want to speak for anybody else. Same. So we, I just had to dig back in to get myself ready for football. Yeah, I try to you know get back into the football swing of things a little bit because it's a big one for the Cowboys, especially knowing what happened with San Francisco having lost their second game in a row. Brock Purdy questionable. Uh, with a concussion, so there's some room here for the Cowboys to get a nice win uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, so looking forward to that on Sunday. Again, you can hear pregame begin at 9 o'clock here on your home of the Cowboys, 105.3 The Fan. We are your home of the American League champion Texas Rangers. Coming up next, let's start to get you ready for the World Series on Friday. Matt Hicks going to be joining us next on The Get Right. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back on your home of the American League champion, Texas Rangers, 105.3. The fans to get right, Reggie KG, Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. What up? Larry D. Flores holding it down for here on this Wednesday night edition. I don't know what a Wednesday night is. I I mean, it's tonight. I I guess so. I was going to rock with you. I don't know why you stopped. Well, I said it, and then Larry looked at me like, what the hell is that? You know Larry not going to say nothing about it. He's just going (laughs) to look. Can't Can't nobody see that? At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg Atatula, if you want to get at us. On Twitter, coming up in 17 minutes, we'll go around the National Football League. But right now, though, we go to the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline. You can find him on Twitter at Radio Hixie, covering the Texas Rangers. Play Rangers. by play for those Rangers. That's right. 
Matt Hicks joining us here on the Get Right. Matt, what's going on? Man, you guys are full speed already tonight. We got That's to. Pretty good. We got to be. I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna say, wins night is going to be Friday night when the Rangers Ooh. win game one of the series. I love that. I well, like what you did there. That's can, good. Can, can we get you on record saying that you will in fact use the term wins night once uh, once that happens? <laughs> I'm going to. I'm gonna have to make a little note and somehow squeeze that in. Okay. We appreciate you doing that for us. I feel like that's not difficult. I feel like as a broadcaster, you know, in order to spice it up over the long period of time that you've been able to do this, you've had little challenges to, you know, maybe sneak a word or two in there. You know, back when I was working in Corpus Christi for the uh, AA affiliate of the Astros, there was one season where our general manager would duck into the booth on an almost nightly basis and give me a word that you would not normally associate with a baseball broadcast. And he wanted me to figure out how to work it into the broadcast. So he gave me, you know, you know, a word that again, like constable, mm. like how often would I say constable in a broadcast, but I'd have to figure out how to work it into the broadcast. So I, that was a challenge, you know, and, and he got a kick out of it. And I don't know if any of our listeners got a kick out of it, but you know, it was another way just to uh, entertain and, uh, you know, try to be creative. So yeah, sometimes you just have to do something for you as the broadcaster. You're doing a lot for the listening audience, and that's obviously yeah. the the primary goal. But sometimes you have to do something for you. And in that vein, I kind of want to go back to Game Seven for you. What what was the what was the emotional peak? Uh, what what was the thing that really hit you the most in seeing the Rangers uh, win the ALCS? Well, I think there was a lot. I think probably for me, from a play standpoint, when uh, Evan Carter got the double on the right field line that took it from a 4-2 to two to a 6-2 to two game, I kind of had this charge go through my body like, that's it. We're winning, you know. And, and not that that's a huge revelation, but it was just a feeling that I kind of went all through me like, oh, my goodness, we're going to the World Series. You know, that kind of thing. And then there was, a, I had another emotional uh, moment um, when I concluded the bottom of the seven, uh, because then we go to commercial break and then top of the eighth, I bring it back and I kick it over to Eric. And I kind of thought about my family um, and all the sacrifices that my wife, my daughter, my son have made. Uh, and at that moment, I'm thinking, Wow, you know, right now it's it's kind of like what our our family has been like for a number of years. We're, you know, really divided, and it's it's. I, I think about that and how they have allowed me to pursue this journey in baseball. And at that moment, you know, my wife's here, listening in our home in Keller. My daughter's on the East Coast. My son's on the West Coast. You know, we're completely split up, but they were all in tune. To what was going on with the game um and so it was one of those real quick during the commercial break just all of that kind of flashes before my eyes and um and goes through my mind uh about how many years i've been in the game i've been in the game since 1989 um i got asked a question i've done a number of interviews as you can imagine i got asked a question you know hey um you know what's your previous world series experience you know going to games and stuff and i'm like Friday will be my first ever World Series experience. Wow. I have never been to a World Series game. 
and so game one on Friday will be my first. Um, so yeah, so I did I did have some emotions all throughout uh, game seven, but uh, anyway. Okay, so Matt, now that it's over, how badly did y'all want to be Houston? <laughs> so bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, and the thing of it is, is that I I still have friends within the organization and having now when I worked in Corpus, I wasn't working for the Astros. We were just an affiliate. I was working for a group called Ryan Sanders baseball, but obviously, you know, I had to work with them closely. So I, I feel for people that I still know that are still involved in the organization and fans that I know, because it's a hard thing to go through a loss like that. But boy, oh boy, you know, from our standpoint, uh, it just felt right that in order to get to where we're going here to the World Series, that we had to go through Houston and we had to beat them. You want to beat the best to be the best. And I think that, um, you know, that's kind of the feeling. But, you know, the way that they beat us like a drum a couple of times during the regular season and the way that they have been so dominant in the division now for the last half dozen or so years, um, it felt really good not only to win – but to win all four games in that building, mm. which has been sort of a nightmarish location for the Rangers here in recent years. We're talking to Matt Hicks on the of the Rangers broadcast, Texas Rangers Radio Network, right here on 105 through the fan. And Hicksie, um, as I'm sure you're a studious uh, broadcaster, and I know that you do your work, and I'm sure you're getting ready for game one on Friday night. What can you recall from the the two two game series that the Astro or that the Rangers, goodness gracious, played against the Arizona Diamondbacks in early May and then obviously in late August? Well, you know what? Uh, I have not gone back to those games. I will. That that will be part of my preparation. The one thing, just you know, the regular season games just kind of blend into one another. But one of the things I think the first thing I'll look at is that. Um, I, I don't recall us playing very well in those games. I don't recall us having clean games or pitching very well and uh, and just not being the team that the Rangers were for most of the season. So I don't think Arizona saw us at our best, uh, and I think that's going to be different here in the postseason. As we look at the Diamondbacks, I'm just curious from your perspective, I call them the little engine that could as they have obviously – torn through the National League playoffs by beating the Brewers. They take out the Dodgers and take out the reigning National League champion, Philadelphia Phillies. What challenges do they present as a club that we need to start getting familiar with as we get ready for this World Series? Well, now last night, being the the dork that I am, um, I watched Game 7 and I kept score uh, like I would (laughs) for a Rangers game. So I kept pitch by pitch. So like when my wife called out to me on a few occasions, I was I like, I, I have to ignore her because I, I, you know, the counts two and one and we're not at a commercial break. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was studying and I, I, I took a few notes and whatnot. And the, the one thing that sort of stands out about Arizona, and I think they've carried this through the postseason, is um, they play very well on defense. Uh, they they grade out extremely well in a number of defensive metrics, and they don't beat themselves with sloppy defense. Additionally, 
they run, and they run a lot, and they have more than one or two people that can run the bases. Um, you know, you, you think, obviously, about a Corbin Carroll, who is almost assuredly going to be the National League Rookie of the Year, a guy who's got blazing speed. Basically, all of their outfielders can run. Alec Thomas fits the bill there. Tommy Sam can run. Uh, but guys like Christian Walker, their first baseman that you don't normally think about as a guy who can run, will steal a base on you if you don't pay attention to him. So they'll be very aggressive on the bases. They don't beat themselves defensively, and they also have a lot of pop, and they've got a handful of guys that have uh, put up some home run numbers here in the postseason. So um, it, those are the things that kind of stand out to me about them. And then, of course, at the uh, at the top of their rotation with Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly, they pitch very well. And at the trade deadline, they went out and got Paul Seawald from the Mariners, and uh, he has definitely been a rock-solid closer for them. So, you know, there's not a lot of holes in this club, and they really don't beat themselves. So you have to play well to beat them. And again, going back to the four games that we played during the regular season, we weren't playing very well in those two series. And along those lines, one of the things that I found interesting about um, the Diamondbacks is that the idea that they were able to look at that Philadelphia Phillies lineup with, which was started off by my man KG's favorite player of the postseason, Ooh, Kyle, Kyle Swarver. Because um, it seemed like every time you looked up, he was sending it into the bleachers. But I mean, it feels like look the way that I felt at least Hixie is looking at this Rangers lineup one through nine. It feels like nobody can stop them, and it feels like I'm going to ask you a nonsense question considering the ways that this offense fluctuated at times over the season. But as currently constituted at right now, does it feel like anybody can stop this Rangers lineup? <laughs> well, I'll say this: after being in professional baseball for many, many years, good pitching always beats good hitting. Doesn't matter how good the lineup is. So if you've got guys that are dealing and are nasty, and by the way, Brandon Fott started last night for uh, Arizona, and just watching on TV where I had a chance to concentrate on his pitches, uh, he's got some nasty stuff. Uh, he really does. Um, so he scares me just a little bit. Um, but having said that, if I'm going to compare the Rangers lineup to the Diamondbacks lineup, I like our lineup better, one through nine, for sure. Because with our lineup, as you say, as it is currently constructed, there really is no respite for an opposing pitcher. It's not like you can take, like, for example, it seemed to me like uh, for the Diamondbacks yesterday against the Phillies, one through six in the order was pretty stout, but seven, eight, and nine weren't all that good. Now, Nick Castellanos was batting seventh for Philadelphia yesterday, but he ended up finishing that series like, oh, for his last 23 with about a dozen strikeouts, whatever it was. So his bat was completely cold. So for the Diamondbacks pitchers in this series, they got that respite at the bottom of the order. But you really don't have that now with the Rangers, regardless of how Bochy constructs the lineup. All throughout the lineup, you've got somebody that can do some damage. If Laoti Tavares is batting ninth in the order for the Rangers, or if Jonah Heim is batting ninth in the order for the Rangers, you've got a guy who potentially is going to go deep. Um, so you can't really take a break. Um, so I think from that standpoint, our lineup better than their lineup. But again, on any given night, if a pitcher is dealing, good pitching almost always wins. 
Last one for me before we let you go here as we get ready for game one on Friday night between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks in the World Series. What has been your favorite moment from this postseason so far for this team? Wow. Uh, really good question. I, th- I think overall, and this is not a particular moment, but I think overall it's just how well this team has performed on the road. That's what stands out to me. Uh, they just, they're not impacted by a hostile environment. Uh, and it seems like they're energized uh, being on the road. It really is a team that is playing together uh, right now. And so that kind of stands out. From a particular moment standpoint, um, there have been so many good moments. But I'd have to say that Adolis Garcia hitting that grand slam in game six Mm. just like with all of the adversity that he faced with those fans in game six were relentless in their booing and their venom directed at him. And for him to strike out four times, and just look bad doing so, and for the Astros fans to be so gleeful in that, for him then to hit that grand slam to seal game six, that really was a special moment. Hixie, I don't think we've had an opportunity to actually chat about this portion of it, but like, look, man, you're going to have plenty of opportunities to make some pretty big calls in this Mm. series. Uh, how How does a big call, what's the anatomy of a big call for you? Oh, did we lose him? Oh, did we lose him? Oh, that's a terrible time. I'm here. I'm okay. Here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there he is. What's what's the anatomy of a big big time call for you? Like, is the, is there some level of thought beforehand as to what I would like to say in circum, certain circumstances, or does the kind of moment just take you? So that's it's very rare. Um, you know, in Baltimore, when I when I did the um, you know uh, Mitch Garver, can you take me higher? Call uh, that was crafted uh, ahead of time of course i didn't know that mitch garver was going to hit a grand slam but um, because you know jared had had the interview with andrew heaney and we found out about the whole creed thing uh essentially uh you know jared just wanted us to at some point during the broadcast you know mention that again that uh, the rangers have been vibing on creed and it's a thing and whatnot and to mention it again so that when we come home that maybe the fans would catch on so Jared didn't say anything to me about, hey, maybe work it into a call. But I thought, yeah, the opportunity presents itself. Maybe I can throw in something, you know, into a call and that that would, you know, uh, raise awareness. But I'm like, nah, the moment has to be right. You know, it's it's got to be sort of a decisive hit, maybe a home run. And if it feels right, then I'll let it fly. And that just happened to feel right. And when when Mitch came up, I thought to myself, well, if he loses one here, you you got to let it go. So that was crafted. But more often than not, it's not crafted. It's I like to let the game come to myself, uh, whatever I'm feeling at the time, uh, because you, you, you don't want to have too many things that sound forced. Uh, you just want to let it to, you know, come to you naturally. And so, I, you know, I don't really have anything prepared going into the World Series. 
Um, in general, I try not to call attention to myself. I want the call to be good for the Rangers. I want it to be good for the team. I want it to be good and entertaining for the fans. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let that come to me. But uh, every now and then, very rarely, every now and then, while I do something like I did with, uh, with Mitch Garver. And our personal favorite call, at least for me, I can't, I can't speak for Riz, my personal favorite call, those Rangers! That's right. The Rangers! There That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and again, that just kind of came to me. I got to tell you that I did have something prepared for the series with Houston had Adolis Garcia hit a home run off of J.P. France. Oh! It had to be, had to be that specific. I've been practicing my French. Um, and I had I had one call lined up, and of course I did get the call an Adolis home run against Hunter Brown, and then JP France came in after Brown. I kind of wish France had given up the home run because <laughs> I had something that was ready to go, but I won't tell you guys. About no, it. Hicks, yeah. you can't do that. <laughs> Just, Look, you've, you're, just, you're challenging all of my journalism. He said he got to save it for next year. He got to save it for next year. I've got I've to save it <laughs> for when the opportunity presents itself, if it presents itself, for a particular type of Adolis home run. Okay. Yeah. I, that's I don't the assignment know. I, for Adolis next year. I don't, I don't know. Year. I feel like I'm, I'm – look, if if we get a World Series here, I feel like you got to break that out regardless. <laughs> it's, it, it'll, be part of, it'll be part of the stories of a championship run. Is yeah, that fair? Well, like I said – the, mo- the moment has to be right, and if everything comes together, you know, kind of like it did for Mitch, then I'll let it go. And, and so if people are listening now and they're wondering what that might be, well, you got to tune in to find out. That's called a professional teaser. There you go. Right there. And <laughs> the, the tuning in should, be, should begin Friday night as the game one of the World Series happens on these very airwaves. That's right. It's Rangers, Diamondbacks, World Series, uh, pre-game starts at six thirty. Call starts, or the actual first pitch starts at what seven oh three? About That's and you right. get to hear our man, yep. Matt Hicks. On I was about to call you Matt Hicksy because I call you Hicksy all the time, <laughs> but Matt Hicks uh, right. on one hundred five through the fan. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. There he goes, Matt Hicks. Good enough to join us here on the Get Right. Coming up next, we go around the NFL. Rangers. About to go around the National Football League on your home of the American League champion, Texas Rangers 105 through the fans. To get right, we're Reggie KG, Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, Larry D. Flores on the down for here. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to get you ready for some Mavericks basketball as the Mavericks open up the 2023-24 season on the road against the most hyped-up rookie probably Actually, not probably. He is the most hyped rookie since LeBron James back in 2003. And he's already looking like he's delivering in certain ways. Um, (laughs) And we'll talk about that at a certain point. But KG, uh, if if KG didn't know it was the start of the NBA season, he just saw it from me in particular as I play one of my favorite games, which is, who is that? Who is that (laughs) that number right there? Who is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Now I know know who that is. That's that's the entire name of the game, by the way. That is one of my favorite games. Not just that one, but... Uh, he's still in the league. That's a good one. That, it's always a good one. That's always. Or he played for them. <laughs> that's another variation. Because <laughs> some of these guys show up, you're like, wait a minute, what? And the worst part about it is like, especially being the NBA sickos that we are. That's right. We're always looking at the transactions when they happen. So we've seen that they ended up in certain places. Yes. And then we look up and we go, oh, wait, but how would he? Oh, yeah, that's right. I do remember that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Larry, let's go around the National Football League here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys 
Uh, Zion was hyped, but this Victor Wimanyama thing. Different levels. There's levels to this. There's levels to this. And with all apologies to Zion Williamson, not on the level. They didn't give him a flagrant foul, did they? I'm sorry. No, sorry. I'm not even looking at that. Oh. I'm actually... I don't oh, know you got the hockey on. I'm, I'm paying attention to this hockey where the yeah. New Jersey Devils came back from down three nothing. They have just taken the lead four to three. <laughs> if you don't think that we love sports around these parts, I'm out here flabbergasted. <laughs> we, got, we got Capitals Devils hockey on uh, TNT right now. Anyways, fun time of the year around around the National Football League is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Yes, Reg is definitely not doing his job right. Now. <laughs> oh, you talk about me not knowing all the players in the NBA, but. Talk, talk to people who actually cover the NBA. And Some see, of them don't even know. See, they don't even know. See, well, I mean, it's 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 night two. Correct. Correct. Come on now. Like we just got here. We just got here. It takes a little. It takes a little bit of a, a little bit of a rev up. Anyways, uh, somebody who may not be there on Sunday for their team is Brock Purdy. Uh, Brock Purdy has been put into concussion protocol. Head coach Kyle Shanahan announced this afternoon after playing in Monday night's game against the Minnesota Vikings. That means Sam Darnold is going to be up next Mm -hmm. uh, to step in and practice while Purdy recovers. Now, he made it through Monday's game without apparent issues, but began feeling symptoms, did Purdy, as the team was traveling back to the Bay Area. So something to watch for over the next few days as the San Francisco 49ers uh, continue to get ready to get back on the field. They play against the Cincinnati Bengals. Gonna be fine on Sunday. Gonna be fine. So that Bengals defense is pretty solid. It'll be fine. Uh, hopefully for Brock Purdy, he does play. That's that's one of the more fun matchups coming going into the weekend. Bengals 49ers. A little bit of a throwback, if you will. Of course, when they played in the Super Bowl that one time. Uh, so Brock Purdy dealing with a concussion right now as he's in the NFL's concussion protocol. Speaking of injury, uh, we go to Miami real quick, where Tyreek Hill today missed practice. He's dealing Not the with, MVP. Yeah, right. Uh, he's dealing with a hip injury, uh, casting down on whether or not he will be available for Sunday's game against the New England Patriots. Now, Hill has not missed a game since he was traded to the Miami Dolphins during the 2022 offseason and, of course, leads the National Football League with check this out 902 yards receiving is that good on the season so far so uh oh uh oh the whole the whole the whole analysis there is just uh oh uh does this make you feel any better that they are playing the New England Patriots uh i kind of right cuz the last week but you I know, mean, they kind of picked themselves off the mat and but, beat but, Buffalo. But you know what helped them beat Buffalo? Buffalo was turning that ball over Josh Allen. Hello, Josh Allen, right? And obviously, that that's it's not like that's impossible, that that can't happen. But um, I think that the the ways in which the Bills... We, we have to reckon with the idea that the Bills are not the Bills that we thought they were at a certain point. Like this, That's not a team that is as well-built. Um, at least as currently co- constituted with the injuries that they've dealt with, uh, particularly defensively, I'm not as worried. I'm not as worried um, about the Dolphins versus the Patriots, but I mean, I am worried about it being a hip. Like, is that something that's going to be a very short-term injury, or is that going to end up lingering and end up affecting him? Because hey, the speed is the thing there. That's right, and it's never a good idea when you hear about hip injuries in football players, particularly the brand of football that Tyreek Hill likes to play as we continue around the National Football League here 
on the get right. Uh, coming up on Sunday, we get the Arthur Smith Bowl as the Atlanta Falcons visit the Tennessee Titans. And apparently, Mike Vrabel, Mr. Rappaport, is going to have a new starting quarterback in the lineup for them. That's right. While some of us were awake, some of you guys were sleeping. Sources tell me that Will Levis is expected to be the starter for the Tennessee Titans. They have been preparing him to start not just this week, but actually last week, too. They were on the bye, used those practices to try to ramp Levis up and get him ready. And, you know, really, maybe this shouldn't be a surprise, guys, because he is a second-round pick. They did see Malik Willis last week and have seen him over the course of the last couple of years. I would expect... Wills to play some, as Mike Vrabel said the other day. But at some point, you've got to find out what do you have in Will Levis. With two weeks to ramp him up, it makes perfect sense. Considering that Ryan Tannehill is unlikely to be ready with that high ankle sprain, expect a lot of Will Levis on Sunday against the Falcons. You hear how Ian and I just have natural conversations, you know, when it comes to this stuff. Cause, you know, I don't know. It sounded like he didn't want to respond to you for a second there. And he was like, I guess. Because <laughs> he is, you know, my personal NFL correspondent. Shout out to Will Chambers in Kentucky. Uh, take a shot. As Will Levis gets ready to start for the Tennessee Titans. I- I'm kind of interested to see what this looks like against Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons. I think we're all interested to see what it looks like because we were all looking up like, y'all sure y'all really want to do this Will Levis thing at this level? <laughs> okay, sure. Um, at least the way people were talking about it. Ultimately, he goes in the second round. But um, I love how he gets his NFL introduction with Calais Campbell bearing down on him. Yeah, that's not going to be fun. <laughs> Wait, is Calais in Tennessee? Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Yeah. Calais done played for everywhere on the, on the East Coast. right now. He is. He's, he's, very, okay. good. he's very good at football. Um, and one of the nicest human beings at football, but that's he not really here is. or there. Uh, yeah, man, uh, sure. Let's see what it is. I don't know that I feel great about any of their quarterbacks, but the, Ian said it all. You have to see what you have. You, you don't give up a second-round pick to not figure out what you have there, especially because I think they largely know how they feel about Malik Willis. Um, and you have no data points. So let's put some data points on the board. Quick rundown of the schedule. Tampa takes on Buffalo tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football. Interesting game for Thursday Night Football. If you say so. Tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just talked about it with Josh Allen, the turnover problem. Tampa Bay I think he's playing just, some decent football in the NFC South right now. He has one speed, and sometimes you're like, hey, man, you don't need that. It's, it's the Patriots, dog. Uh, don't give them the football in short fields. That's true. Is there a particular Week 8 game real quick that uh, is on your radar other than Rams, Cowboys at high noon? You've got, as I mentioned, Cincinnati at San Francisco. You've got Cleveland at Seattle. Shout out to P.J. Walker. Looks like he's going to start again for Cleveland. Man, they take on Seattle. I, Who's just signed Frank Clark today? Yes. Uh, in Seattle there. Yeah, that 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 was going to be one that I brought up um, very quickly. In fact, you know what? I'm going to stick with that one. I think that's that's going to be a very interesting one for me because that's a, that's an incredible defense, and is their offense going to give them anything in order to make this work um, against a Seattle Seahawks team that fully and truly knows who they are? And they're just like, if we can exist in this space, uh, we're going to do some things. Miles Garrett, defensive player of the year candidate right now. About time. Hooping. He's I mean, been out he's been out here hooping in silence for a long time because and he literally is a hooper. Browns. He actually is a pretty good basketball player. He's big and tall and <laughs> athletic. I expect nothing less. <laughs> he's an alien. That's your trip around the NFL here on the get right. Coming up next, talk about hooping. Mavericks getting ready to hoop tonight in San Antonio. Luka Doncic will play. Kyrie Irving as they welcome the most Hyped rookie, 
since LeBron James. Victor Wimbanyama takes the NBA stage tonight. We'll preview it next on The Get Right. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.